Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun and formal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite, designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. I think a lot about how Stephen's dad and our grandpa grew up in the same neighborhood. We never knew each other growing up, but they grew up in Old South Portland. And Old South Portland was you know, mostly the Jews and the Italians. And the way of life that all of those people shared was the only way of life that they really knew about. There wasn't television to even see about famines in Africa, let alone knowing what was happening across town. So everyone they knew was in the same boat. Now, they weren't so poor. They always described themselves as really, really poor, but they weren't so poor that they didn't have clean water or food to eat or a roof over their heads. They might have been struggling to put food on the table from time to time, but they weren't starving. And it wasn't until Hal got to high school when he realized that they were poor. He was shining shoes and he was shining shoes for the dad of one of his friends from high school, his new friends from high school. And that's really when he learned that he was poor. Now it's a lot easier to understand and have sympathy and compassion for a whole bunch of different kinds of ways of life. But it's also easier to feel sorry for ourselves as we see ways of life that we never even knew was possible. So we might have more understanding of what it's like to grow, be born today in Yemen or in South Sudan. And we see on social media all of these horrible ways of life that we would never want for ourselves if we were honest with ourselves. And then we see all of these ways of life. Some people just say, oh, I see the Kardashians and I'm so, I'm so they're so aspirational. And other people see the Kardashians and say, I would never want that. These are the different ways of life that we're exposed to. If you think about income inequality, not only does it exist to a greater extent than it ever has before, or at least in modern times, but also it's more apparent. And I'm not sure. Do you think that if income inequality was as it is now, but people didn't know it, would it matter as much? If you didn't know it, I know a lot of people have told me that they never realized that they were poor or whatever it was until they were exposed in high school or exposed. Now you can, like you said, you can turn on the TV and see these Hollywood superstar weddings. And now people are spending going into debt just so they they can have a Hollywood style wedding. What about proms? And proms, you know. when Uh, Wait, how are you asked to prom? I I don't even remember. (laughs) Right, exactly. Someone said, hey, you want to go to prom with me? Maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a boyfriend. Yeah, Ginger got a promposal. All right, what? Tell me about the promposal. What is this whole thing, and where did this come from? Did some? I don't know. I just started seeing people are doing these extravagant ways of asking their dates to the prom, and well, actually, at Ginger School, they were giving a pr- two t- free tickets to the best promposal. So they're encouraging the promposal. Yeah, I mean, maybe the student government is doing something. It also sets the bar really, really high for marriage proposals oh and my God. all of these things. I mean, I believe in undercommitting and over-delivering. I mean, how did, how did Sonny propose to you? <laughs> I was just going to ask you the same question. Well, we were on, I was on tour 
and I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and Sonny flew out to meet me. Was this with KMFDM? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sonny flew out to meet me. He was with Pearl Jam at the time, and he flew out. He had a few days off, so he met me in Atlanta, Georgia, and we were sitting on the tour bus, <laughs> in the back of the tour bus, watching The Lion King. I'll never forget that. And we paused The Lion King, and he basically said, hey, do you want to run away with me or something like he didn't even actually say do you want to marry me but i knew that's what he meant (laughs) (laughs) and so is our life and he and i said yes i said but let's not tell anyone just quite yet which apparently really upset him why he thought that like that was a bad thing like don't tell anyone why did you say not to tell anyone i wanted to i wanted to be able to talk to mom and dad on my own and but you know me i'm not the best secret keeper as you know that's not your best trait so (laughs) so like two seconds later sunny walked out and they're like hey congratulations because i had already spilled the beans maybe you told sunny you didn't want to tell anyone because you didn't want him to tell anyone (laughs) you wanted to be able to have the gossip yeah i was first were you living with him I can't yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, we were living. Now, how did Stephen propose? We were living together. I was traveling a lot on business. He was traveling a lot on business. I was buying for made apartment stores. He was uh, CEO of Now Software. And we bumped into each other at the airport. I don't know if it was planned or not. I remember he had had a bloody nose on the plane. And so it was like crusted blood on his oh, nose. It was like, my I remember God. he didn't. And I probably <laughs> looked like a drowned rat. I'd never known this story. And he said something like do you want to get married or will you marry me or did he like get on his oh (laughs) no oh my god and i said well let me look on my calendar (laughs) and i said yeah sure and then i said like is it official like do we tell our parents that we're engaged and do all that like call our friends and he goes i think we do and i said oh my god is this official and that was how and i really do believe for me and this really kind of leads into the curiosity bite. Oh, we haven't even gotten to that. No, it leads into the curiosity bite. For me, the kind, the way of life that works for me, the fact that Stephen proposed that way was really a symptom of the fact that he is the right one for me because it's all about undercommitting and overdelivering. <laughs> and I mean, I guess that was real, mine too. <laughs> really undercommitting. Yes. If someone had laid out some romantic something or another, you would have hated that. I would not have liked it. I would have thought, oh, just get to it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> all right. So this leads to the curiosity bite. Are you ready? Yes. What about your way of life would not work? for most people. When I think about my way of life, I think about routines. And I don't think that my routines and the things that I do during the day would work for most people. Like what about them? What routines would not work for most people? You could tell us your routines in a minute, but what- I would say that one of the things is that I have to get up early. I have to get up before anybody else because I need my quiet coffee time. That I think a lot of people would rather sleep in. The other thing, or get up and work out. I know a lot of people that like to do that. And I just can't, I have to have that time just to sit and have a cup of coffee. The other thing is that I have, and you know this, five jobs. I do so many things and have so many side hustles. I don't think a lot of people would like that. Hmm. I know you're busy, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people would like that. that I don't, I would not agree with you that most people would not like to get up and have quiet time. I think, I don't know, you know, most people meaning over 50%. I think think a lot of people like to get up and have quiet time. I'm not sure also that one's way of life is 
maybe the routines are symptomatic of someone's way of life. Mm -hmm. But if you had to describe your way of life without using routines, how would you describe your way of life? I would say that it's active, that it I don't like being a cog on a, or, or like a hamster on a wheel and then every day is the same. I do not like that. I'll get really upset if I feel like it's the same thing every single day. So what about you? What? How would I describe my way of life? Yeah. I would describe my way of life as very American, where the concerns I have are the concerns that I have the luxury of having as an American. That may be different than a European, that may be different than an African, that may be different than a South American. I think I have a very North American way of life. Me, uh, me too! And then within that, <laughs> I think I have a very Northwest way of life. There is a lot of being outside, being in nature. The things I worry about are the things that someone that has a society that allows someone to worry about that. Like I worry about the kinds of things I worry about are like paying for health care, the kinds of routines I have. And we'll get into routines because I know you I, you and I both really love talking about routines. I've rarely had any routines. I have a few now. But the thing that I think you and I have in common about the way we like to live our lives, I don't need a lot of predictability. My way of life is to proactively do a lot of things so I don't have to reactively try to deal with emergencies. I don't really like that. I like proactively seeing how I can prevent things from happening and then take the time even when I'm preventing things that may not have ever happened. So would I would you say that that is an, a nicer word for control freak? Well, I think I'm a control freak to a certain extent for sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, but you're knock knock joke. Knock knock. Who's there? Control freak. Now you say control freak who? <laughs> There is that for sure. I am definitely a control freak. But every time I test the hypothesis, I realize that what's comfortable to me is not the result that comes from me not being a control freak. I also like to identify people that are really good at stuff that I'm not good at and let them do what they need to do. Yeah, I, you're good. Yeah, you, I have really, a, you have a good team around you. And I like to find people that can do things that I don't do. And then I say, hey, you do this and you do that. The other thing is because I like to learn, I'm always adding things that I now know how to do. Because yeah. I, for me, if I'm constantly learning, constantly learning, but I do think that my way of life is mostly informed by things that I have the luxury of experiencing. And I will say this one thing. I notice that there is this common narrative that people like to say, you know, I grew up with hard work. I really know the meaning of hard work. And you read this a lot in the obituaries. Oh, mm. you know, they really, you know, grew up on a dairy farm. They really learned the value of hard work. Or we grew up in the world of auctions and cleaning machines and warehouses. And we really learned the value of hard work. You know, I really, then talking to, you know, my friend from Africa where their hard work is, they wake up in the morning, survival, survival, and they don't have any water, and they have to work walk ten <laughs> ten miles each way to bring the jugs of water. So they, I, I really think that hard work is something that we like to pat ourselves on the back. No one says I didn't work hard at all, and I got. To I where can I say am. that. <laughs> I can say that. I luck. I think a lot has to do with luck. I think everything has to do with luck. Mm -hmm. I think that the thing that would work about my way of the way of life that would not work for most people that is my way of life is that I am really totally okay knowing that my life has no deeper meaning, no greater purpose. I believe that everything that happens to me is a result of luck, is a result of inputs that started from things I could not control including my genes, including mm -hmm. where I was born, mm -hmm. inclu including how I was raised, what I was fed before I could feed myself. The environment. All of those things affect. 
And if all of those inputs were exactly the same, I would make the same decisions over and over again. So I don't think that that the idea and the comfort with that would work for most people. But that is a huge part of what I think and how that informs my way of life. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think. Now, t you were telling me about routines. Yeah, well, when I was teaching a class at my last job, we had each of the people write down their morning routine. And each of them did. And but these, these were the elderly. No, this, these were the, this was the staff. So oh, the staff. When I was teaching the staff at the, so I taught the CNAs, the nurses, the activity people, the administra administration, all that kind of stuff. I taught the staff. What were you teaching them? Teaching them how we can look at doing long-term care in a different way. So I was teaching them about how normally in a nursing home, you, you get everybody up at the same time, you get them dressed, you get their meds, you get them showered, you get them to the dining room at a certain time, and the dining room is open from this time to this time, and it closes, and that's it. And it's all the same food, it's all that comes out. And that makes sense in some ways, because it makes it convenient for the staff to plan and organize and get things done. But we were trying to take the focus off of the staff and put it onto the elderly. And so I had them each write down their morning routine. And then I said, would Joe Bob Lubnick's routine work for Susie Cream Cheese? Mm. And it was absolutely not. So why would our seniors or our elders want to have the same routine every morning? Maybe Joe Bob Lubnick wants to sleep in till 10 o'clock and then read the paper. And maybe Susie Cream Cheese wants to get up and work out. So that was a different way of looking at different routines and how we can honor our elders and not have to have them all just be on the same routine for everybody. That makes sense. And you think about anytime you're institutionalizing a group of people to achieve something, so a school or a mm -hmm. psychiatric, and you think, well, you've got to be able to have routines so that you can, well, do, do you? you? And that's an assumption that you had to bust because- It you, was hard. Oh, I imagine because you think, if we don't do this, it won't work. If If we have to make breakfast for every person, whatever they wake up, that's not going to work. Well, most of the families had a hard time with it. They thought that their loved one should be dressed by a certain time. Yep. And when they, what, what did they do? They came in and said, my dad always got up at six o'clock in the morning and was dressed and had his coffee before he went off to work. And now I'm coming in here and he has dementia, but he, I'm coming in here and he's not dressed at 10 o'clock. Right. And that's not right. How should they think about that? How should are they, they should look at their parents as they are now. Not looking at the way of life that they had 20 years ago. Right, when they were <laughs> masters of the universe. Maybe they should think about what they did on the weekends more so than what they did during the week. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but, but really it's about looking at them now. Also, people that spend 24 hours, seven days a week with them, like the CNAs and the nurses, probably know their routines quite well. And when you come in for an hour, you might not understand where they are right now. How important is it for families to explain about their previous way of life and how important is it for the people that are dealing with them day in, day out to explain their current way of life? And if there is an arm wrestle between their previous way of life and their current way of life, who should win? I think it goes hand in hand. I think you need to understand who this person was and some of the things that made this person who they are now. But also you need to look at dementia is 
when we talk a lot about dementia on, on this podcast, but dementia is really the destruction of things in your brain. A lot of the things that you were isn't there anymore. It's gone. So you really need to look at the person as they are now. And so families really do need to listen to people that know their parents really, really well now and not necessarily what they, who they were before. Well, that's why I think the whole search for self is a really funny and wasted exercise. <laughs> My way of life would not work for most people because I think most people think that the search for self meaning and purpose is a valuable use of time. And I believe it is not. And here's why. I tend to agree with you. So Because is the self who you are right now at 82 with dementia? Is the self who you are at eight years old who knows nothing? When is myself the true self? Mm -hmm. Is it today or is it yesterday? And how much in the past or how much in the future? And I just don't think it's, personally, I don't think it's a valuable use of my time. And I don't think that that way of life, where I just am a very curious person who asks all kinds of questions, but those are the questions I just don't feel have much value in asking and searching for. Well, it's like the being and doing idea. When you're a child, you're being, then you become doing, and then as you get older, you're being again. And a lot of times we mourn the loss of the doing. Mm. And more and more, the younger people are having to go into the doing before they're even ready. But if you're spending so much time focusing on that doing period, then you feel like you are not even a human being when you're back to being. And I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time with retirement or getting older. I think that's a lot that has a lot to do with ageism. I think that a lot of people talk about, well, what's going to be my legacy? And I always, what are they going to put on my tombstone? Or what are they going to say? Who cares? Seriously. Who cares? Well, I mean, who you could answer who cares, not the you. The person that's dead. No, the person that's dead won't care. Well, right, right. I mean, that's what I mean. <laughs> you, you only care about it until you die. Yeah, then you die and, and then it doesn't I'm matter. <laughs> Do you have routines? So I usually get up around a quarter to six. Then we, Sunny and I, sit in the purple chairs and we have coffee. And lately we've been listening to Morning Joe, but most of the time we just chat. That's our time to actually be able to talk to each other. What do you other. talk about? Okay, let me ask you. Do you talk about things in the news? Yes. Do you talk about problems? Do you wait to bring up things that you need to discuss with him that are bothering you? Sometimes. Do you try to make it a positive thing? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yes and no, but yeah, no. Like if you're, if you are, if something's bothering you about Sunny or with, would you wait until then to discuss? Sometimes. See, yeah. I, I can't wait. I mean, if it's like sometimes what will happen is like I'll yell at him or whatever when it's happening. Then to really dissect it and sit down, it's probably a good time when we can actually sit down and talk about it. So does it. he look forward to it or does he re or does he dread it? No, or no, we all we both look. For I mean, we it's almost like we have to have it. We have to have our coffee time now. Really? Yeah. When How we don't, it feels like the day doesn't start out right. And then what do you do? Then I put on my makeups. Makeups. Especially spend a long time on my eyebrows. Put on your makeup. What's the song you're going to sing, which is from um, Hedwig? Oh, I don't know that one. I was going to do Lift Up Your Head, Wash Off Your Mascara. Here, take my Kleenex, wipe that lipstick away. You know that one? Suddenly Seymour! <laughs> Suddenly Seymour! Standing beside me! Standing beside you! You. <laughs> then you put on your makeups. And then Ginger comes up, and then we get ready and we go, and Ginger and I then go out for coffee. I drink a 
lot of coffee, I realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the way to school, on the way to taking her to school. Yeah. But this is your last year with her. I know. Don't even mention it. I can't stand it. I have never had routines. You have no routines at all. No, there is one that I've adopted. But oh. One of the things about my way of life is I really don't like predictability. I like predictability in people. In, in other words, I want to be able to rely on who I can rely on. Do you rely on me? For some things, but not, <sighs> not for some things I do. And for other things I don't. Mostly I rely on myself. I think I rely on myself to a disproportionate amount that I think would not work for most people. I think that's why you don't ever work for somebody else. I did for a few minutes in my life. <laughs> And th- how did that go? I didn't. En- I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I like when I can go into corporations and I can work oh, with yeah. them, and we can do our workshops. You're amazing when we do that. I love that, but I don't like being beholden to people to control my own destiny. And that really is the only routine that I have. Is I the one thing that I do, and it's something I've probably been doing. It was since mom was diagnosed with glioblastoma when I realized between doing some research around the brain with brain cancer and doing some research around the brain with brain injuries after both boys had those severe concussions, I noticed that there was a cognitive difference with Barkley when he started when he drank water versus when he didn't. And I remember mom being a total health nut, but what was the one thing she never did? She never liked to drink. She never liked to drink water or, you know, ever. Most, she didn't like to really drink liquids, but yeah, water ever. That was why growing up, there was never any alcohol that you could really steal. They had like cream de mint. Oh my God. I was just going to say they had like a cream de cocoa or something. And I remember trying to steal it and I looked at it. It was like from night. 1945 or something. Like uh, we that. didn't grow up like with alcohol. It's amazing how much we drink, given the fact that we didn't <laughs> grow up with any alcohol. That might be why. But it wasn't. It wasn't like forbidden. No. Anyway, my routine is that I drink at least 38 to 42 ounces of room temperature water every morning before I allow myself to have coffee or anything else. Why? Why before? First of all, I just started doing it, and I noticed three different things. I noticed there was a co- like a cognitive crispness that was there that hadn't been there before. Number two, I noticed that my skin and my hydration was better. I wasn't so sallow. I used to go, I would have coffee in the morning. Maybe, you know, I'd remember, like, I have a glass of water with lunch or whatever. It was just incidental, right? It wasn't purposeful. I knew I was supposed to hydrate. And sometimes I remember to drink a glass of water or two glasses. And then I would have cocktails in the evening. And I would go the whole day without peeing. It was crazy. Oh, wow. When I started this, I would pee and pee and pee. Now it's like my body has acclimated. And when I'm in a situation when I can't do this, I feel it. There was the cognitive, there was the skin, and then there's the digestion. And Mm. when I was in Japan, I was talking to this woman and she was saying that that's a very common thing among Japanese people where they drink some amount of room temperature water. I know room temperature is very good for your skin. For digestion. Digestion. Yeah, digestion. It's huge. And people say, well, I just can't do it. You know what? Yeah, you can't. You're not carrying (laughs) water 10 miles each. You're drinking water that you literally turn on with one flick of a finger from a tap. It's not that hard. That and sleep. I think if people said, okay, I'm going to get eight hours of sleep. I'm going to drink a significant amount of water before I put anything else in my mouth. And I'm going to floss you would be doing more for your health than any of these wackadoodle dooski diets. Yeah. But those are my, that's my routine. I just bought one of those enormous water bottles. They're just, I got it at Ross and it is 
huge. What? And now I drink a lot more water than I used to just because I carry around that But bottle. because you have digestion problems, you would benefit from doing that before you have your Why coffee. before? I can tell you. I've researched. There's a lot of biology. About doing it before you do anything yeah, else? Yeah. So, I mean, there's mm. legitimate things and can put some things in the show notes, but it's legit. That would have to change my routine and I don't think it'll work for me. Okay, well, that's what about my way of life would not work for you. Okay, what if you had some choices of changing some of your ways of life? Am I thinking what I think I th- you're thinking? You are! It's my list! Fabulous. I'm going to go through different things and see if you would do it. Different ways of life. I'm going to go through these different ways of life and see if you would even take it on. House swap. There's like that wife swap show. Have you ever oh. seen that? Yeah. Where you go into somebody somebody else's family for I a couple of I met someone who did that. When we no. were Yeah, when we were in Louisiana, we drove way out to the bayou and we met the guy. We took one of those alligator tours and I it was interviewing <sighs> someone for my book for Living Curiously. And her brother on the bayou had done one of those. The wife swap yeah, thing? Yeah. Would you do that? <laughs> I don't know how much of it's reality. I mean, yeah, but I mean in if real they, life. If I they mean. were really hot. <laughs> what if it was like exact opposite family that it would be like dirty house yeah unhealthy kids would be disrespectful yeah i wouldn't want to do one with kids Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) the answer to that is no okay what about taking care of somebody else's property like uh, like house sitting sitting. but taking care of the property and then if they had animals too which i know the answer to that i don't even know why i'm bothering asking you that but well what if they had like a really one of those really lizards. cute lizards <laughs> or they had a fish tank with seahorses? Oh, I could totally do that. Maybe even if they had one of those really cute Shetland ponies. <laughs> I like Shetland ponies. Those are cute. That's some big poop, though. I don't like the poop. Could I hire someone to help me? I might do that. If it was someone that lived on a vineyard and I could go to someplace in France and I would be in charge of the vineyard, but they would spend like a month training me, I could totally do that. Not for So it would depend on the property that you would have to take care of. I would probably consider that. I think it'd be cool. I've done that. I mean, I did it in college one time. I took care of the head of the music department from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival's house. And it was fun. Yeah? I got crazy into cleaning his house. How about couch surfing? Could you spend some time just not having a home, pretty much, and just couch surfing on friends? I could spend some time not having a home and traveling from place to place. But I have to tell you that one of the most important purchases I've ever made was my natural latex mattress. God, we need a new mattress so bad. I really, you know, you do those sleep number things in the memory foam, nothing's like latex. Come and sleep on my bed with me and you will never want to get out. Okay. I mean, I am telling you, (laughs) I don't think I would want to stay on people's couches, but I could definitely, if they had beds, and I could go live from place to place to place. I could be gone from home. Yeah, I could do that. Yep, okay. I could do okay. that. What about living in a warehouse? Oh, my God. So when I was in real estate, it was so funny because I cannot even count the number of times that people would come to me and say, I've got this really wacky idea. I know it's weird and out there. And I think to myself, here it comes. They're going to say, I want to buy a warehouse and convert it because they thought that this was their unique idea. (laughs) It reminds me of all of the great business ideas I go to Stephen with. And he's like, yeah, Becky, that's not. Yeah, that already (laughs) happened five years ago. That already that 10 companies went defunct with that idea, whatever. The warehouse idea, if it was like a cold old warehouse and I could redo it, it, that just doesn't seem like. No, I work in a warehouse right now. Is it too cold? No, I mean, we have a heater. Luckily, I get to leave and go do my sales calls. But when you are working in that warehouse, 
day in and day out, it's miserable because mm. you just don't see the light of day. Okay, what about living off the grid? No. <laughs> that was fast. No. I could go for a period of time and live off the grid. I would not be interested in that. I'm too curious about what's going on in the world. That's a, that's a straight up no. I mean, we are interested in learning more survival things. I do feel like I don't know enough about how to survive without the internet, how to survive without the modern essentials that I've become accustomed to to using. Stephen got us our go bags for when the big one hits. And Stephen's spending a lot of time learning more about survival. I mean, in terms of like plumbing my house or or framing a house or yeah. making uh, electrical repairs. I guess with YouTube, you could do a lot, but I- have... You can't use YouTube if you're off the grid. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know how to do enough things. I know. I mean, I'd have to prepare for that. Yeah. I really, I don't feel that I know how to do enough practical things. But... I often think about Naked and Afraid and how I would, you know, try to make a house or try to find food. Would and... you even know what berries are, what things are edible or not edible? No, of course not. Like I'd eat like some kind of deer poop and die of some disease. Yeah, no, you would. I, no. What you, about a tiny... No, you would. <laughs> no, you would. <laughs> what about a tiny house? House. I could do a tiny house. I could totally do a tiny house. If I did a tiny house, then I would not feel so guilty about leaving it for a long time and yeah, traveling all over. No, I that's true. A, I could do a tiny house. My friend, actually it was Sonny's friend, had property, large property with his house on it. And the back of his property had six, seven tiny houses. And this goes with the next one on the list. And they all had their, they were all connected, electricity and plumbing, I believe, through the main house. Oh, and it was almost like the community living because like then they would go to the main house for dinner. I couldn't do that. That's what I was going to ask you. Could you do that community co co-living? Are you talking about... So there's co-housing where they all live in one house. And then there's the communities, communities where they all have their own houses, but they may be like like a kibbutz where they go yeah. and have dinner together. No, I actually, as social as I am, I'm kind of antisocial. And I would always feel like I was responsible for making sure everyone's happy. I, I, just too much responsibility. Well, also then it would be like a routine. Every night you would have dinner with the same people? Well, when I went to Burning Man, that was like a little mini experiment. And there are three stages of Burning Man. So there is the plug and play where you just pay an amount and you can show up and everything's kind of done for you. That's kind of frowned upon by the real burners. There's the <laughs> pull up in a tent or a camper and do your you know, thing. And then there are the theme camps. And I was in a theme camp. And the theme camp that I was in was suburbia. And that was like one of the big theme camps right on the playa. A lot of the people in that camp had a lot of skills, like they could wire and they could do plumbing. And they had all of the infrastructure that they brought. But it wasn't like I just wrote a check and showed up. I had to. You went and like helped build and help. I like, totally, yeah. But you had like a store that you guys all had to work at, I think. Well, every theme camp does their thing. Ours was a yard sale because it was suburbia. That's more my speed. <laughs> and I did, I brought face masks, those Korean oh, face yeah, masks. Oh yeah, with the paper over your Oh yeah. I loved being part of that community. But I realized like anything, like a sorority or like a club or whatever, I bought in to doing it for 10 days or however long I was there. But I knew that there was an end date. I absolutely could not I mean, I could if it was you know, life dependent on it, but yeah. I would not want to live in a cohabitation situation where Thursdays I was in charge of dinner. Ugh, I would, I would not, not like that either. No. So I don't know. That would not work for me. That's it. That's it? Yeah. All right. Well, that leads us to the sort of fact. Okay. This comes from prestigious university. Our favorite university of all and time. And i realizing, listening to the news and the media, most people's favorite university, pre very prestigious university that found that 
most people don't see their way of life as being so different from all the ways of life around them. However, they are. (laughs) (laughs) By 37%. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's Curiosity Bite. Two, in order to avoid missing curiosity-bitten conversations, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Apply Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to applycuriositylab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.